where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. And all God's people said, man, what a joy it is to be in God's house today, and what a joy it is for you to gather with us this morning. Um, I love the fact that we started out in... um, with baptism. I love the fact of how we started there and, and what better place for us to start than um, life to death, amen? From death to life, excuse me. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful reminder of all that Christ has done for us. This week, um, as I was looking forward to Easter, and I hope that you were looking forward to Easter. I remember last year's theme, Jesus changes everything. And I was reminded about how awesome that was to, to see via social media in different ways, that it was just an amazing reminder of how many people still had that as their wallpaper, how many people still had that kind of as their story in their social media. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that, because I do believe that Jesus changes everything. So this morning, we are going to talk about the fact the 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 good news worth sharing. There is a good news that's worth sharing. But church, let's don't get it twisted that the good news came in the midst of bad news. The good news came in the midst of the fact that, remember on Friday, for you that gathered with us on Friday, I challenged us and encouraged us to think about that person that we knew that loved us the most, like loved us without a doubt. And I talked about my mom, and I talked about her love for me and about how I got to see her come to know Christ. And and, and then, um, I, I didn't get to maybe share this with you, but then cancer took her life. But what was beautiful about cancer taking her life was is that because of her relationship with Christ because from death to life she is in heaven and I'm going to see her again and I'm going to get to spend eternity with my mom and with Jesus because of what Christ has done for us. And so as we think about bad news this morning and and I want to just kind of as a way of review turn to John chapter 19. We're going to be in John 19, 20 and 21 this morning but in John chapter 19 beginning in verse 31 I want you to see what the scripture says. Since it was the day of preparation, this was Good Friday, by the way, and so that bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. Because, see, tradition was that this was not the first crucifixion. This was not the first time someone was to be crucified. Many had been crucified before, but Jesus was crucified on the Sabbath. And so because of that, there was no way. uh, He was was crucified on Good Friday, excuse me, but they would not allow the body to stay hanging. Normally, they would just let the body hang. But because the Sabbath... Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their that that their um, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the suit soldiers came to break the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers. 
pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Church, I want you to understand that the reason that was so important is because we'll see in just a few moments why the piercing of his side is a great reminder of why we celebrate this morning. So when we see in just a few minutes in Scripture where, where one of the disciples says, I will not believe until I see his nail-pierced hands and his pierced side, he's going to get to see that in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. But verse 35 says, He who saw it was, has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. And then look at verse 38. And after these things, Joseph, the Armithia, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took him away. He came and took him away. Took away his body, excuse me. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myth and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes and spices as it's is, is the burial custom of the Jews. And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. And so church, here's what I want us to see this morning. We go from Friday, which we call Good Friday, and I have many people say, what's so good if such bad things happen on that day? Well, church, I would tell you that if, if Easter didn't happen, if, if, if the end of Christianity was Good Friday, then guess what? Then it would be a bad day. It would be bad news. But check this out. The disciples, Mary, his mother, uh, and, and so many others that were following Christ, this was bad news because their friend, their, their, the, their leader, their Messiah, their King, their Lord had been crucified. And church, don't get it twisted. Our Lord, our Savior, our King had been crucified as well. But that had to take place. I don't know about you, but when I think about the fact of what Christ did for me on the cross, it's overwhelming. I mean, it's literally overwhelming. To the point, I noticed uh, as we were worshiping, Garrett got a little emotional in worship. Why? Because when you think about the weight of what Christ has done for us, when you think about the fact of what Christ has done for us, it is a difficult thing just to go, oh man, that was awesome, and just move on from it. Man, he was beaten. He was beaten. He was, he was put in a place. He took our place. He put us in a spot. He put us in a situation so that we didn't have to be there. He took your place and he took mine. But church, if Friday would have been the end, then our faith would be no different than anybody else's faith. But praise be to God, Friday was not the end. I read it, I quoted it actually, right before I got ready to baptize the Jennings this morning in Mark chapter 16. This is Mark's account, verses 4 through 7. 
And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Well, I guess so. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to the burial site of where Jesus is, and you know that the stone was rolled in front of the tomb. You saw it yourself on Friday, and now the tomb is rolled back. And entering the tomb, verse 5 says, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in white robe, and they were alarmed. Verse 6 says, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who who was crucified. He has risen. And listen to these words, church. He is not here. That is a good news that's worth sharing. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Church, I want you to look at verse 7. But go and tell the disciples, and look at what, look at what the man dressed in white said, and Peter. And Peter. You know the reason this is so significant, significant church? is because Peter... The one who said, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And Jesus looked at Peter and says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And guess what? I don't know if you know this or not, but when Jesus says something, it comes to truth. It comes to pass. It, it, it becomes a fact. It is as if it's already happened. And guess what? Before the rooster crowed, Peter denied Jesus three times. And this man tells these ladies, go get the disciples and Peter as well. And tell them what? Tell them you will see him as he told you. All right, back to John chapter 19. Or excuse me. Um, back to uh, John chapter 20 now. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now this is Easter morning. John's account, the writer of the Gospel of John says, And now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with them, with the other disciples, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but their other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with linen cloths, with, with the linen clothes, but folded up in place by itself. Church, I, I want you to see this. There was not a detail that Jesus left out when he defeated death. There was not a detail. There was not an incident. There was not anything that he didn't leave out. Look at what it says in John chapter 20. So they said, they have taken our Lord. So Peter ran out, verse 3. Both of them was, were running together, but the other disciples outran them, verse 4, and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. But then Peter 
came following him and went in to the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloth closed, but folded up and placed by itself. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. Then it gets really, really interesting. Look at verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, was, had lain, and one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, and she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus. She did not know that it was Jesus. And look at verse 15. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking, supposing him to be the gardener? She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher, And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Church, I want to ask you a question. The person that has meant the most of you in your life, the person who's modeled love for you, wouldn't we all just want one more opportunity just to be with them? Wouldn't we want just one more opportunity to have a conversation? Well, church, as followers of Jesus, we're going to get that opportunity. We're going to get to have that conversation, not here, but in heaven. But can you imagine? You're Mary. You're at the tomb. You can't find Jesus anywhere. You're like, they've hidden him somewhere. Where is he? And you turn around and you see a man and you, you, you suppose it to be the gardener the gardener. And you say to him, if you'll just let me know where you've laid him. Can you imagine what that must have been like when Jesus looked at Mary and said, Mary? I mean, you know, people who we love and we care about, the reason we, we're, we're, there's such a love there is because there's such a close proximity, there's such a close relationship. She knew his voice. Church, I have a question for you this morning. Do you know his voice? Because I am convinced that many look at the story of Jesus and they go, it's a made-up story, it's a fairy tale, there's no way that it's true. But church, I'm telling you that it is good news worth sharing. And it's a good news that's got to be shared. Why? Because Jesus did what he said he would do. I realize that there are millions of people out there against us, church. But in case you missed it, God will bring us to our weakest place and put us on our knees to remind us that we are in great need of him. Church, how many times have we said, man, I've come to the end. All I can do now is pray. How dare us, church? The first thing we should ever do is pray. The greatest tool in our arsenal is prayer. Why? Because he knows our name. 
He knows our name. He knows that we're in a bad situation. He knows that we're in a difficult situation, such as the coronavirus. He realizes storms are coming this afternoon. But guess what? Our God is the calm in the storm. It is a good news worth sharing. Look at verse 19 of chapter 20. On that evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. I'll say it again because you might be slow like I am. I'm not saying that you are, but maybe you are. On the evening of, the, of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, I get it that they knew that Jesus said he was going to die and then he was going to come back from the dead. But I don't know if you know this or not. I realize that they had seen Lazarus raised from the dead, but that was different because Jesus was present. Jesus has now been dead, been crucified. Jesus has now been laid in a tomb. They think that somebody has stolen the body of Jesus. They don't know where Jesus is, and they just know that if they're followers of Jesus, they've got to be next. And church, I do want you to know this. There is a price of following Jesus, but it is a good news worth sharing regardless of the price. I asked Brian and Jordan and Kaylin this morning, do you believe? And they said yes. And then I asked them another question before I baptized them. I said, are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he calls you to go? And I told them before we ever came on the screen, before we ever went live, I said, do you realize how big of a question that is? Because following Jesus will cost you a price. Verse 19, but Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Friday they saw him crucified. Friday they saw him beaten to the point of death. Friday they saw a thorn on his head. Friday they saw him breathe his last. Friday they saw him die. Friday they thought it was over. They thought that the bad news had finally arrived and there was no good news coming. But don't forget what we've already seen this morning, church. When they got there, he wasn't there. Why? Because he has risen. I don't know if you know this, Christians, but today is our Super Bowl. Today is our World Series. Today is our championship. Today is the author and perfecter of our faith because of why? Because he did what he said he would do. He says, peace be with you. Look at verse 20 of chapter 20 in John. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, remember? Why was it significant that the soldiers pierced his side? Because number one, it was to fulfill scripture. Number two, it's to fulfill this scripture. He showed him his hands. He showed him his side. Hey guys, it's me. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a fake. I'm not an imposter. I'm the real deal. I'm the real Jesus. I'm the one who did what he said he was going to do. And guess what? This is a good news worth sharing. Continue with me. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. Church, what does that say to us this morning? That first of all, the good news of Jesus must be preached. The second thing is, is that the good news of Jesus must be shared. 
And the third thing is, is that the good news of Jesus will send you to the uttermost parts of the world. And let me tell you something. The enemy is sitting around right now, and he's like, man, I got them scared. They're in their houses. They're afraid. They're fearful. But I don't know if you know this or not, church. There are more people worshiping right now in their homes than we've ever had in, these, in, in this building. Why? Because when you go through difficult times, you're, you're, you're even willing to lean in and go, man, maybe this Jesus is for real. I'll make a deal with you. I'm betting my life on the fact that he is. Why? Because he was not there this Sunday morning 2,000 years ago. And why is that so significant? Because every other religion, every other belief, every other faith, their, their, their main character and their belief they're dead in their tombs right now. Where's your Jesus? Where's my Jesus? He's sitting on the right hand, at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. Why? Because he is the connection between us and God. Many of you have heard me say this. I believe this happens every day. I don't think God sleeps. I don't think Jesus sleeps. But I think that every new day that happens... Jesus stands up and he looks at his dad and says, can I go get him? Is it today, dad? Can I go get him? He goes, not today. And church, I got to be honest with you. I praise God, not today. Why? Because there is a good news worth sharing. There are many people that don't know the hope of Jesus Christ. And we got to get about being sent. We got to get about being what he's called us. Look at verse 21 again in John chapter 20. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so, I'm, I, even so I am sending you. And when he had said these, look at verse 22, man, this is powerful. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now look at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples, verse 25, said... Or the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and the place of my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Church, I want you to hear me this morning. There are some of you who don't even call yourselves a part of the church, and that's cool. But you're checking out this video this morning and you're tuning in this morning and you go, I don't believe. I praise God that Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes to show us that he is who he says he is. Would you be so bold this morning to pray the prayer that just simply says, hey God, I don't know if you're real. Matter of fact, God, I don't think you're real. But that preacher said that if I prayed a prayer that you would be do whatever it took, you would be doing, willing to do whatever it takes to show yourself to me. Would you be willing just to cry out to God this morning and say, God, show me this morning that God is real? I can't wait to hear how you let us know that God revealed himself to you. I hope he does it today. I hope he does it right now. But Thomas... 
we call Thomas the doubter. I don't think that's a very fair word because I'm going to just be honest with you. It's easy for us to look at the whole panoramic view of the gospel. It's easy to look at the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. It's easy to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's easy to look at all these different accounts and go, oh, I never would have done that. Liar! Your best friend, your savior, your top dog, your best homeboy, your best girl. I mean, you are walking with this person. You see them murdered before your eyes on a cross. You see them laid in a tomb. And three days later, your closest compadres come up to you and say, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but we saw him. Yeah, right? I don't know what you ate for breakfast this morning. I don't know what you've been smoking, but I think you missed it, bro. Unless I see his hands, unless I place my hands in his hands and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. I will never believe, actually, verse 25 says. Look at verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked... Jesus could have not only been known as a carpenter, a messiah, a teacher, a savior, or a lord. Man, he could have been known as a locksmith. Doors don't mean anything to him. You need somebody to come get your keys out? No problem. He's sitting in the car waiting on you. The doors are locked, it says. Eight days later, the doors are locked. But this time, Thomas is with them, and Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Why is it that every time Jesus shows up, he says, peace be with you. This is the reason I believe this, and this is the theme of this sermon. The good, this is good news worth sharing, because when Jesus is present, present, there is peace. You want to know what's jacked up with this world today? It's not coronavirus. It's not cancer. It's not people losing their jobs. It's not all this difficulty. The problem in this world is called sin, and sin separates us from God. And if we don't have Jesus, then we don't have peace. And if we don't have peace, then we don't have any hope. A cure's coming, church. But there will be something else. Why? Because of sin. Because if you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace. And if you don't have peace, then you don't have Jesus. Jesus said it several times in his teaching. Lightness and darkness cannot exist in the same place. The same way sin and peace cannot exist in the same place. And here's the story, church, and don't miss it. The good news that we have as followers of Christ is that when Jesus shows up, not only does he show out, but Jesus brings peace. And why is this a good news worth sharing? Because have you looked around lately? Have you noticed how crazy we are? You know we're messed up when we go so nuts over toilet paper. You know we're so messed up when you literally think you're going to be able to drink 10 gallons of milk in a, uh, 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 in a week unless you're the Smith family. 
I mean, there are many opportunities for us to be hoarders and all of this. And guess what, American church? And I, might, I know that we might have people from all over the world watching this, but the American church are really good hoarders because we want to have all this stuff and all this junk, and there are people around us that are starving and dying, and they're starving because they don't have food and they don't have clean water, and they're starving because they don't have Jesus. And Jesus comes in the room, the doors are locked, and he says, peace be with you. Remember Thomas? Let me remind you of what he said. Back in verse 25, I will never believe. Look, you might tell your wife you don't believe something. You might tell your kids you don't believe something. But don't tell God you won't believe something because my God will get the last laugh. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again in verse 26, it says, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, hey, I'll never believe, boy, come here. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand in the place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Church, do you realize that when you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, that is a good news worth sharing. Why? Because our faith doesn't end on Friday. Our faith begins on Sunday. He's not here. You're like, man, you're nuts. I know. And I'm good with it. Why am I nuts? Because I got Jesus. Why am I not afraid? Because I got Jesus. Look, I don't want to die. I want to hang out with my wife and hang out with my boys a little bit longer. But if God chooses to take me today, don't cry for me. I'm going home. Why? Because I believe. Look at what he says to Thomas, and I want, I want you to hear these words, because I believe he's not only saying it to Thomas today. There are people who have been in church their whole life. There are people who have gone to church. They, they, they've been in Sunday school. They've been around it their whole life, and they say they believe, but they don't really believe. And Jesus looks at Thomas. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And look at how Thomas answers in verse 28. Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Hear the message of Easter this morning, church, for us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're going at this whole Jesus thing based on a story. And the doubter in the room right now just said, yep, see, he said it's a story. No, 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 but the difference is this is not an unsolved mystery. This is not Dateline. This is not 48 hours. This is not that we don't have the answer. We got the answer. How do we know this? My boy John was beheaded. How do we know this? Peter was crucified upside down. How do we know this? You don't lay down your life for something that you don't know that's true. They witnessed it. He breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. And guess what, church? When you receive it, you can't help but preach it. You can't help but talk about it. You can't help but tell people about it. Why? Because when Jesus shows up, Jesus shows out. But he also brings peace. He also brings healing. He also brings salvation. He also brings hope. And he also brings power.
This is what I love about what God did for us. You and I are weaklings. We are not qualified. We are not anywhere close to being who we need to be. But it's not about us. Because when God supernaturally invades our body, Jesus becomes our Savior and our Lord, and the power of the Holy Spirit lives within us, we can be witnesses and we can share this good news in the midst of any pandemic. That's a good news. We're sharing how dare you make excuses about why you can't share Christ? Do you know since March the 9th, we've had 51,000 connections with our Facebook page? Why? Because when there's chaos, people are leaning in. 27,000 have watched our videos. Why? We're not saying that so you'll be impressed with us. Man, we're just a bunch of messed up, jacked up people meeting in a middle school. We don't have a lot of lights and, and all these different things, but what we have, we're giving it to the Lord, and guess what? Because we know the news that we're preaching is good news. Even when everything is great, hey, I'm an old Miss guy. Best baseball season in the history. 19 and 1. What happens? Pandemic breaks out. Baseball's over. You know what God did? He took some of your idols away so that you could worship the one true living God. Took some of mine away. He slowed a... <laughs> he took a hyperactive, workaholic, people-pleaser, can't do enough preacher and he stopped him in his steps that I want you to spend more time with your boys I want you to spend more time with your wife I want you to spend more time with me you know why God did that because that's the good news of following Jesus he didn't want us to have disbelief he wants us to believe John writes this in verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Some of you are like, but man, you don't know my story. <laughs> you don't know mine. But, but, but Fish, you don't understand I, I've messed up so many times. We're about to go to John chapter 21, and we looked at this text back in January as we were talking about seek, shape, sin, and who knew that we would come back around to it here on this Easter morning as we talk about this good news that's worth sharing. You see, I think many of us, we're in, we're in chaos right now with ourselves. We're in chaos with ourselves because we actually think we're in control. And church, can I just be honest with you? When you think you're in control, just wait a minute. Not even a minute. Just wait about five or ten seconds. You'll be reminded, reminded that you're not. For example, today in our area, for those that live in Mississippi and the Mid-South, we're about to get hit by storms. My wife is one of those people, she loves listening and watching Channel 5 News out of Memphis, and she was a Dave Brown fan, and, and she wants to hear Dave Brown say it's going to be okay, but Dave Brown's retired. He's not there anymore. But she wants to hear the people on the Weather Channel say it's going to be okay. You know what I'm doing? I'm standing out on the front porch going, hey, man, I think that's a funnel cloud. Check out that lightning. Man, that thunder was awesome. Why? Because I'm not in control. 
Some of you are watching this morning and you're like, hey man, I'm tired of being a Christmas believer and an Easter believer and a couple other times a year believer. Man, I want to be a follower of Christ 365. But preacher, you don't know my story. You, you don't really know what I've done in my life. God does. We call Thomas the doubter. And what does he say to Thomas? Don't disbelieve. Believe. Why? Because he wants everyone to believe. My good friend, Les Haley, that I grew up with, we graduated high school with together, he put on Facebook this week. He's a believer. He loves Jesus. He lives in Starfield. Besides that, he's a pretty good guy. I'm just kidding. God loves Starfield too. But he put on Facebook and he says, do you still believe God's got the whole world in his hands? My simple reply was 100%. Maybe you're like Peter. I've been Peter. Our worship band's been Peter. Our tech, our production guys, y'all all have been Peter. We've all denied Christ sometime or another. But what did the Mark account say? What, what did the angel say to Mary? Go get my disciples and Peter also. Why? Because there's nothing we can do, church, to make God love us any less or love us any more. He loves us for who we are. And as a guy that I feel like is my friend, I've never met him, but I look up to him. His name's J.D. Greer. He teaches us to pray a gospel prayer, and he says something like this. I'm going to measure God's compassion by what he did on the cross. But hear me, church. He says, but I'm going to measure his power by what he did by overcoming the grave. Go with me to John chapter 21 this morning, and then we're done. John 21, verses 15 through 19. And I'm convinced this is some of you this morning. You're like, man, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. God does. But, but bro, but, but, but bro, but bro, you don't know. God does. Man, I'm, I'm nasty. I'm dirty. I'm messed up. God knows that. And I'm not saying that sin, one sin's bigger than the other. That's us. We, we're the ones that did that. But you know the only unforgivable sin? Rejection of Christ. If anybody knew that, Peter did. Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Pick up with me in John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. Why did Jesus tell Peter to feed my lambs? Because it's a good news worth sharing, church. He said to him a second time in verse 16, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my sheep. Why is he saying tend my sheep to Peter a second time? Because he's telling us it's a good news worth sharing. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why did he say to him a third time? To be real honest with you, you probably should have told Peter that about 50 times. If he was talking to fish that day, he would have probably had to done it 10,000 times. Why? He did it three times. He asked him that question three times. Why? To remind Peter it was three times that he denied him before the rooster crowed. Thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand, and the number just keeps getting bigger and bigger. How many times have we denied Christ? And Jesus' simple response is, is if you love me, then you'll take care of my sheep. One of the greatest spiritual giants in my life is a Presbyterian pastor in Cleveland, Mississippi. His name's Tim Tim Starnes. He's the pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church there. I didn't know then what I know now, and if I knew then what I knew now, man, I would have just sat at this dude's feet because the man is an unbelievable man of wisdom and knowledge of God's Word. And I read on his Facebook post, I got up about four this morning and I had to get with the Lord and then I got back in bed and woke up again. And anyway, I was, I was looking at Facebook early, early this morning. And Tim had put on his Facebook. He says, as I look at these empty chairs in my congregation, he said, instead of being dissatisfied with the fact that there are nobody here for me to preach to, I will let the empty chair or the empty pew remind me that the tomb was empty. And why is that so important? Because if there is no empty tomb, then the empty chair doesn't matter. It is a good news worth sharing. Look at how John closes out this text. This is cool stuff. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 18, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And he said these things, verse 19 says, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Not the death of Jesus. Jesus has already died, church. Why is he saying this? He's telling Peter, Peter, you tell me that you love me, but I'm telling you, son, it's going to cost you something, and you're going to die a brutal death, even more of a brutal death than I died. And look at how he simply closes verse 19. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is Jesus worth it? I hope in your living rooms, your kitchens, your dens, your bedrooms, wherever you are this morning, I hope when I said to you, when I asked the question, is Jesus worth it, that you were just like the worship team and you just simply said yes. Then follow me, Jesus says. How do we follow him? We take the greatest news ever written in the history of man and we preach it. Well, fish, what if they don't listen? Find somebody who will. Man, I'm locked up right now. Man, you sure are blowing up social media. Preach on there. 
model Jesus wherever you are because this is a good news worth sharing. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for these moments. I thank you for this day. God, I thank you that today when they got there 2,000 plus years ago, you were not there. God, I thank you that you told them to go get the disciples and Peter too, because God, I'm just like Peter. There are others that are gathered here this morning, God, that are just like Peter. And God, they feel like they've been disqualified. They feel like they're not worthy. But you're saying, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Then what you're saying is, God, that this good news is worth sharing and Christ alone is all that matters. Christ alone is all that I want. Christ alone is all that I need. And if I got Christ, I got peace. And if I got peace, I got good news. And if I got good news, I got a good news worth sharing. So God, empower us, breathe on us this morning in this place, in our homes, in our apartments, in our condos, wherever we are. If we're in our car watching this, God, breathe on us. And may we preach the good news of Easter. You're not dead. You're alive. You are risen. You're sitting at the right hand of God. You're interceding on our behalf right now, Jesus. And we choose you. Not the chaos, not the, 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 the frantic idea of that we're out of control. We are out of control, but you're in control and we trust you. And that's the good news of Easter. So in Christ alone, in Christ alone, our answer is yes. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.